0: hello, and welcome to Kingdom Conversations, a ministry of Faith Covenant Church. We are so excited to have you today as we talk about all things related to the kingdom of God. Welcome to our very first podcast, Kingdom Conversations, a ministry of Faith Covenant Church. I am so excited to be here tonight. This is our very first episode ever, and I have some exciting guests tonight, and we have a wonderful topic that we're going to be diving deeply into. So I want to do something a little fun with my guests, and I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves, tell us what you do here at the church, and a little bit about your family, and then I want to know what podcasts are impacting and influencing your life.
1: Hi, uh, my name is uh, Kevin, and I'm the lead pastor here at Faith Covenant. Probably the podcast I listen to most is um, the World Wrestling Federation podcast. No, I'm just (laughs) kidding. I just just thought I'd start that. Since you said it was going to be fun, uh, no, one I do listen to uh, pretty consistently. Probably the one I look forward to when new episodes drop is one called Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell. He is... uh, an author and a speaker. And he's sort of the modern day Paul Harvey. I grew up Ooh, listening to yeah. uh, the rest of the story. And so he's a great storyteller and helps you see kind of the, the things behind history. And so I, I really appreciated that. Even though I'm not a history buff, uh, I've appreciated his
0: podcast. That, now, I want to check that out because when people can tell a great history story, it will draw me in. I want to know more. And then our next guest tonight, go ahead and introduce yourself.
2: Yeah, my name is James. I'm the small group's pastor here at the church, and I'm more of a sermon guy, typically. I listen to a number of sermons each week, but the podcast probably that um, that I enjoy the most is the Russell Moore Show. He just does a really good job of helping us learn how to live in our culture and um to be a good witness in the middle of that.
1: Did you see the Joe Rogan show? <laughs> no, okay, just, just checking to see, I am not sure.
0: We're just seeing the culture here yeah, around this right. table this morning. Good, that's good. Um, well, our topic today is why we do not wanna build castles, but we wanna have a kingdom mindset. So with that said, we have, as a church, been reading this amazing little primer called the Gospel Saturation Primer and the heart of god is at the center of this entire vision and so i'm going to kick off and ask kevin tell me how you learned about this primer and how it impacted you to want to pull it in and make it the vision for our church
1: absolutely um I, i was serving at another church on the other coast in new Smyrna beach and uh the senior pastor of that church um connected with a network of churches called the Christ Together Network. And it was about reaching every man, woman, and child with repeated opportunities for them to hear and see and experience the gospel without them having to come or go anywhere. And that's a big uh, statement. And so uh, I watched a group of pastors all over the I-95 Uh, corridor from Jacksonville down to to Miami, get together in the same room and have the same heart and the same passion for the lostness of the state and not just their communities. And it was bigger than just their individual church. And so they were really missionally focused, and I'd never seen anything like that. And, And they put together this document to help clarify and bring some real understanding to what they're trying to do, not only in the state of Florida, they're doing it all over the country and all over the world.
0: So before I um, kick it over to James, I wanted to ask you, what is the castle mindset? And then what is the kingdom mindset?
1: I think the idea there is if you're going to see a city transform, let's just start with my local city. St. Petersburg matters to me. It's my home city. I was born and raised here. This is my home church. Uh, I have the privilege and the honor of leading the church where I came to know Christ as as, as a young man. And and what happens is, I think churches begin to think that they can do it alone, that somehow on their own they're going to be able to reach everybody, that they're going to be able, as a singular church, they haven't figured out that they cannot accomplish the mission of reaching the entire city, and that uh, they're not. There's all sorts of workplaces and schools and and restaurants and communities all around here that someone from their actual church doesn't live in but when we're a part of the greater body that there is a chance of us working together and reaching every man, woman and child. Yeah. It's not something we can do alone. Yeah.
0: One of my convictions was I think I had a castle mindset. I didn't know it was a bad thing, but I don't ever want to have it again now that I see the kingdom vision that goes along with that. James, tell me as you read through this primer that very first time What stirred your heart for the kingdom of God?
2: Yeah, the thing that stirred my heart was just the definition of success that it presented, because I think we often get the idea, and in America, especially in the church, that the goal is to build a big building, senior pastor gets famous, writes books, travels and speaks. If you do that, you're successful. If you get everybody in small groups, if you have a big VBS, you're successful, and that's what God expects of us. But the gospel... Primer showed us that there's a bigger definition of success, and that's every man, woman, and child having repeated opportunities to hear the gospel. And until we have done that, we really have not fulfilled the Great Commission. We can't call ourselves successful as a church. And so I really appreciated that just helping us to broaden our horizons to see beyond just our church walls and what goes on on our property to see that the kingdom of God is much bigger than any of that.
0: (laughs) What I heard both of you say was the repeated, the word repeated opportunities. How does that play into this?
2: Well, I think one of the things
1: is if our church felt that it, 100% 100% of the people in the city we're responsible for. That's overwhelming, especially based on the size of your church. The average church in United States today is about 85 people. And so that's overwhelming when you look at the magnitude and size of our city. And so one of the things this does is it frees you from that when you realize, wow, if I partner with another church and I partner with another church and another church, um, we're working together in this and it's no longer... I'm collaborating with others, I think, to saturate uh, this defined geography with the good news of Jesus Christ, and I think that's, that's vitally important, but it's a perspective change by the leadership of churches and by the general congregant.
0: I wonder if the audience has ever heard of churches working together because I know that was new to me. I think we always wanted the best for the other churches, but we were so hyper-focused on our own church. What does it look like working with other churches in this network? Do they have to be the same denomination?
1: Uh, no, uh, it, they, they don't at all because there's uh, other churches that have... Um, experiences or traditions in their background, which I would say are secondary or non-critical. The idea would be is do people love God's Word? Uh, Do they believe uh, in reaching every man, woman, and child? Do they believe in the lostness of the city? Do they love the local city more than they love their local church? Do they really believe that God's kingdom is greater than the church, all the churches, and that the church is greater than my church? And that really puts in perspective some things for me. And so I begin to say, no, how can I work with them instead of competing with them? How do I collaborate with them and keep the main things the main things?
0: Yeah, we are reading right now in Salt and Light um, about the John the Baptist and how he is out in the desert. And he models so beautifully what it means to be collaborative. So when all the people he's been pouring into start to go to Jesus and some of his disciples say, hey, what's going on? he encourages them that that's the whole purpose. He didn't try to, there was no competition. He wanted to point them to the light. So James, my question for you, you work in small groups. How do small groups play into this vision of gospel saturation?
2: Yeah, I think it helps. um, The small groups help in that and that they're the the training and the equipping grounds for our Mm -hmm. people. That again, the goal is not just to get the people sitting in a circle in a living room. The goal is that the the small group would be a place where they can be equipped, where they can be trained, where they can be encouraged, where they can pray for each other, and where they can, from that, go out into their community to reach the gospel. I think it's one of the um, the core ways that we have to help people look like Jesus, to help people learn more about mm-hmm. what that looks like, and then to do that in community. Not to do it themselves, but to do it in community with people who know them, who love them, who will encourage them, but at the same time, challenge them that... Yeah, You need to go out there and do what you can. And we're not all evangelists, but we can all love people and we can all share the good news.
0: Yeah. Uh, my mentor one time said that um, isolation leads to annihilation. When we don't have community, we don't have the accountability. So I can have moments of grandeur and moments of pulling in and nobody knows. And so I love that I get to walk with small groups and there's that accountability, that iron that sharpens iron. Um, Kevin, how do you see small groups playing into this mindset this
1: well the interesting thing about even what james was saying there for me is i think people view okay when he says i've got to go out and do this they think programmatically and i look at people and I go you're already going to the store you're already sitting in the stands at your kids baseball games you're already involved at the ymca you're involved in all sorts of things in your community and i'd go be jesus there because you're reaching a group of people that might not ever darken the doorways of a church, but you're a missionary, and that's important for them to view their world that way. And so when I stand outside on a, on a Saturday and I'm working in my yard and people are walking their dogs and I'm engaging with them, uh, I'm building relationship with them. That's not a program. That's, that, that's being missional. That's just... Um, you know, being light in my neighborhood. So I think I really wanna help people realize it's not like I've gotta do all these other things, I've gotta go find a way to stand on the street corner and hold a sign, or I've gotta go uh, join some something that's happening and march in some parade. The everyday living of your life is what happens and the programmatic elements of a church can sometimes get in the way of that. Mm-hmm. They get people's schedules busy instead of releasing them to practice Uh, what they've learned in God's Word in these small groups as they've prayed together, as they've grown together. Now, what does it look like for me to live that way the other days of the week?
0: Yeah, and so you get to carry it outside of your small group and you get to carry it in your small group. It's just letting the Holy Spirit lead.
1: Well, yeah, your small group is a place... What happens is when you live on mission, your small group becomes a very worshipful thing because you're sharing stories of God's greatness and God's goodness and what he's doing and the transformational work in your neighbor and your small group celebrates with you alongside that as they watch you be faithful and obedient.
0: I love those two words, faithful and obedient, because it takes all the pressure off. I just have to be faithful to do what the Father tells me to do. I'm my own worst enemy sometimes trying to create things, and I busy up my schedule, and then I miss those Holy Spirit opportunities to talk with my neighbor. Have you ever done that before?
1: Absolutely. And you tell a great story and you should tell it about your mentor and what they oh, yeah. how they minister <laughs> mm-hmm. to you.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite stories that I share with friends is I was a young mom. I had four young boys. I was homeschooling and I had a husband who worked 12 to 16 hour days. And I just remember so desperately wanting, I wanted to be discipled, I wanted community. And so I was talking to my friend, Debbie Friley, and I was getting ready to go to Sam's Club. And she says, well, can I go with you?
1: Yes. Do you remember? Yes. <laughs> Come with and me. I was,
0: Yes. <laughs> and I thought to myself, wow, she wants to go to Sam's Club with all of these babies. And can I tell you, it impacted my life so greatly. She sewed into me. It wasn't that every conversation was so intense. It was that I felt loved. I felt known. And there were God conversations because he's a part of what she does. And I was learning how to make him a part of what I do. And I want to pass that on. That's an easy way if you have young children. James, what's a way that you pull natural relationship into your day-to-day?
2: I think for me, my biggest outreach that I'm working on right now is my neighbors. As a pastor, everybody I work with is a Christian, so it's hard to... Are be- you sure? Well, there <laughs> is that one Hopefully. person. We're not, we're not going to name them. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> they know who they are. Um, but no, I think for me, um, just recently moving here and being in my neighborhood, getting to know my neighbors has been important to me. and I've met a few of them and haven't got to meet all of them, but I think that for me is going to be one of my primary outreaches as our daughter gets more involved and hopefully gets older and gets more involved in sports and other things those are going to be things and as a pastor i've found that i have to be very intentional about it because again i work with christians my friends are christians everything i do if i'm not careful i can get completely isolated from the lost world and so i have to be intentional about finding those opportunities
0: it can almost be super easy to have that castle mindset within our own neighborhood or in our own church when we work here because that's what you're seeing all the time so you're learning how to not be castle minded but to be kingdom minded right i had lunch with your wife recently and she was telling me about your neighbors and telling me stories as she's getting to know them so i know you're walking in that kevin i want you to talk about the statistics of our city i found this fascinating. Tell us a little bit about our community.
1: Absolutely. And even to kind of speak to to what James just talked about, what I love what he's doing is he's owning the lostness of an area. Oftentimes in churches, we can think we're good. All my friends are Christians. I'm set. Yeah. My, my yeah. world's good. But when you begin to say, as individuals, I'm going to own my neighborhood, or I'm going to own the, the the gym where I work out or or these areas, those people matter to me. Yeah. Those people matter need Jesus or need encouragement. They they, they need someone to be that missionary. So for the city of St. Petersburg, the idea is how do we own this circle of St. Petersburg? And so for us, we began to look at what is St. Petersburg. The city of St. Petersburg has 265,000 people roughly uh, in just this city, it doesn't include uh, Pinellas Park or, or Clearwater, St. Pete Beach, and you know, Gulfport and, the sh- and uh, Treasure Island, all that. If you include all of that, about 280,000 people, if you include the entire county, we're just shy of a million people. And when you look at that and you begin to realize that's a lot of people, and if um, 0.1% were to come to our church, it would break us. Like we, we would have to add multiple services. But that's a lot of people, and the city is growing faster than the local churches. So our city of St. Petersburg, not everywhere else, the city of St. Petersburg is going backwards in lostness. And so we've got to figure this out. And so for us, in there are about 180 churches in the city of St. Petersburg. And now that includes every kind of church. That's Unitarian, Buddhist, Hindu. That is every church that's out there. And so we would have to scale that in some into Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, gospel-following churches. Outside of that, in Pinellas County, and even the, the stat is the same for the city of St. Petersburg, about 36% of the city identifies uh, with a church or denomination or something, so whether they're Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist, um, Latter-day Saint, you know, Mormon, Judaism, any of that. And so, again, if you begin to scale that down into born-again evangelical Christians, that number would be much, much smaller. What that does is it shows the lostness of our city. And if you start running those numbers on if just 3% of the city were to come to know Christ, where would they go? Into what churches would they uh, assimilate? Because churches are not preparing for that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes, that's exactly right. It kind of reminds me, as you share this, I wonder when I think of Acts, you were talking about that earlier in the the Acts Church of the New Testament. They kind of were looking at the city around them. They were looking at the lostness around them. Tell Would you share with our audience what you were sharing with us earlier about how Acts applies to this?
1: Yeah, it's really fun when you see the guys in Scripture not get it right because it helps me not feel so bad about yes. myself yes. and yes. my perspective. And so when you see what happens, uh, that those disciples stayed in Jerusalem, and they were building a castle. It was the epicenter of the world. No one was going anywhere, and they were supposed to go out and take that message to the ends of the earth. That was the point of what was happening. Well, you know, if you read Acts chapter three and then four and then five and six, they're still in Jerusalem. In fact, it takes the death of Stephen for the church to be, you know, to begin to suffer and to be persecuted, for them to scatter Mm -hmm. and begin to take that message elsewhere because the heart of God is if you're not gonna go, I'm I'm gonna get you out there one way or the other and it seems like I'd rather do it because it's the calling of God in my life rather than through suffering and persecution if I'm get to choose here one of the two. So it's it's a very clear picture of what they had to wrestle with as well.
0: Yeah. And so it just keeps it keeps moving forward. It was the same back then and now we get to apply that. I almost feel like something we have that works against us compared to back then is we've become so isolated because of social media. It's so easy to stay home and watch T V online and not understand the value of the face-to-face. What would you say to that?
1: I mean, absolutely. Uh, Proximity matters. I would say it matters way more than people realize. In fact, I just read a news story today about people who are wanting to sue Zoom because uh, Zoom has fostered isolation and Zoom has fostered uh, mental disorders and depression uh, through non-face-to-face connections. Mm -hmm. And I thought, there's so much wrong with our world, but that's another podcast probably. Yeah. Uh, and so I watch that. And so even the world is seeing that face-to-face matters, it, it, that proximity, that presence in someone else's life. So for me to be able to speak truth in there, for you to see my body language, to hear and, and me engage with you and walk with you. I can't walk up and down the aisle of a supermarket through Zoom like Debbie right. did in your life. Yeah. It requires my presence and uh, that's expensive.
0: Yeah, yeah. Your my favorite saying that I have to remember all the time is you say that discipleship, it takes longer than you want it to take. It costs more than you want to pay. And then what was the third part of that? What do you think? I don't know. Takes longer. Costs more. harder. Harder. Yes. Harder. Yes. Yeah. My mind went blank. I could no. not remember. But it is harder because Zoom. Yeah. Can have an appearance of being easier. You don't have to leave your home. You can set up a pretty wall behind you, even if there's chaos everywhere else. But there is something precious. I'm um, Kevin did a, a message a while ago, and it was on the present. Of presence. And I just remember how convicting that was to me that sometimes it's a sacrifice to get out, but never, never. And James, I'm wondering how you think doing small groups of this is true for you. There might be times I'm tired and I've got to go and be a part of a small group and it's our night we've committed to. I honestly cannot remember any time I've walked away and thought, boy, I wish I'd stayed home. I am so encouraged by those women who are pouring into me and speaking truth into me how does that work for you?
2: Yeah, that's the repeated um, Mm -hmm. testimony that I hear from people and I see in myself. There's those nights you just don't feel like doing it. Yeah. But then you show up and you're around fellow believers and they encourage you and pour into you. And at the end of the night, you're so thankful that you came. I think the, the idea with that is to be committed to our group, that that's our family and we need to be there when we can. Obviously, we get sick. Obviously, stuff comes up and we can't, but it needs to be a priority in our schedule not just a well I don't have anything else going on I guess I can show up tonight it needs to be something that's important to us because not only is it helpful for us and our growth but we're letting them down as well someone pointed out how would you be on a football team if you just showed up to half the games yes yeah the team needs you and you're an important part of that group and need to be there to encourage and help others grow as well
1: I do. I think that's really important as well. One of the things people don't realize is it's not just the either the weekly gathering or if your life group meets every other week. It's the that's where social media or Zoom or some other things can help between meetings. Mm. And so if yeah. all I did was show up once every two weeks, I'm not really doing life with someone because in my world.
0: A lot two happens. Weeks? Yeah, yeah, man,
1: that's crazy. You mm-hmm. could miss, I could be all over the country in two weeks and, and you don't even know it. So that's the the texting, the Snapchat or the Marco Polo. That's the Zoom. That's those other constant connections where I go out to eat with them. And so doing life isn't checking a box twice a month for 90 minutes in someone's home. Yeah. That's not discipleship. No, That's programs.
0: And I love that because my friend Rita said that. She said, It's the foundation, like that weekly meeting, because we're talking about the Word of God. But she said, what happens in those six days in between the meetings is where the discipleship takes place. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so true. So I have a verse I want to read here, and I'm going to ask you to speak into how does this apply to our topic tonight? So it says, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. One of the
1: things I love about that passage is it clearly shows who the hero of the story is. Uh, One of the things I love in the Gospel Saturation Primer, it talks about, uh, do I really believe that God's glory is greater than my story? And I look at my life and I really like my story. I'm trying to develop and, and live a great, great story. But really, what that verse speaks to is, yes, Apollos and Paul are important But really, the hero of that is what God is doing in the lives of people, how the Holy Spirit is moving uh, throughout that passage. It has nothing... Boy, I don't like this, but it has very little to do with me. Yeah.
0: Or often, our part of the story in our testimony is where we are missing it and where God is showing up in His grace and helping us Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. How about you, uh, James?
2: Yeah, building on what... um Kevin said there, I think the thing that struck me um, was Paul's humility in it. If we were to read the next verse, it says that he laid a wise foundation. Mm. He's the guy that built the part that nobody sees, and he's okay with that. Yeah. Not being the one putting on the granite countertops, not being the one doing the paint or the shutters that everyone who's and awe about. He's the guy that laid the part under the ground that no one sees and no one cares about, and he's fine with that. Yeah. Because a couple of verses earlier, he says each one will be rewarded according to their labor, no matter your part... In the process, you will be rewarded. And I just love Paul's humility that he's willing to pick up a shovel, dig a trench, and make a foundation that no one may ever know about. That's good.
0: Yeah. We have a pastor on staff who's not here tonight, Pastor Alex, and he is doing spiritual gifts across the board. And that is, I love that for that reason is when you see the body come together, we just had a huge women's event on Saturday. And I looked across the aisles. I saw people with the gift of exhortation and the conversations that were taking place. I saw people with the gift of serving. They were having fun blowing up balloons. There was laughter taking place. But their heart behind all of that was not the balloons and it was not all of the fun. It was that we want women or men to feel known and wanted and they're a part of something, just like we want that when we're going somewhere, being a part of something bigger. As we get ready to close up this first edition of our um, podcast, what I'd like to do is what we call a wrap-up. If you had just two minutes to talk with an audience who maybe has never heard about this but they want to know what this looks like what does it look like as a whole working with other churches how do we work together
1: yeah I would say if you look at your church and your church is all about collecting people if your church is all about building the organization if your church is all about protecting assets, and if your church is all about, there's a demarcation between your church and another church where you're competing with them, where our VBS, you know, come to ours, don't go to theirs, you've got a problem. And Mm -hmm. I would say you need to read the Gospel Saturation Primer because it begins to speak about not uh, collecting, it's about how do we mobilize the community. Because again, if... If a letter is coming in to the church of St. Petersburg, it is not written to my church. It is written to the church. The church is of St. Petersburg. And so your church should be about building disciples, not building an organization. It should be about releasing assets, not protecting those assets. And it should be about collaborating with other Bible-believing churches to reach every man, woman, and child. And if that's not the heartbeat and what's coming out of your church, I would encourage you to find this document email us, find a way to get in touch with us. We'll, we'll send it your way and get that into the hands of your leadership and into your small group and let it infect you the way it's infected us.
0: So when we post the link, we're going to go ahead and put the email in there so that you can reach out and have this material for yourself. So how would you like to wrap up? What would you want others listening t- today, tonight, to take away from this?
2: I would say the Saint, city of St. Petersburg needs you. Mm. It's bigger than our church. It's bigger than our staff. it's We need everybody. If we're going to reach 265,000 people, yeah. it's going to take more than four pastors. It's going to take more than the staff we have. It's going to take everybody, whether you're at our church or another church, even if you're in another city and reaching your city, it's going to take you owning the area of the lostness where you live, learn, work, and play, seeing the people that God has placed in your life, that God has put you in their lives, and um, loving them getting to know them, building relationships with them, and finding opportunities to have gospel conversations with them to help bring them one step closer to Christ. Yeah.
0: As we were preparing for this um, podcast, and I was just praying and seeking the Lord this week, I came across um, John 4:35 through 38. So is it okay if I close with that tonight? It says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So as we close, Kevin, I'm gonna ask you to pray, but how does that verse speak into this whole mindset?
1: again we were talking about before the show went live about the idea of people working uh, for things that they did not so and that's there's a lot happening in this city that there's pastors that have gone before me there are people that have loved on neighborhoods better than me and longer than me and i'm going to play a role in that and so i need to know that i'm a part of something greater and so i i'm excited to see when the church uh, the big C church works together to reach a city, Satan has won too long in this city and I think it's time for the churches to realize that, you know what, and, and I, and I want to be clear here, don't leave your church. Don't leave your church. Help change your church. Help pour into your church. Pray for your leaders. Get things like this into their hands and put us together where we can begin to encourage them. It has nothing to do with the size of your church. It has nothing to do with how much money you have as a church. It's the heartbeat of God to say, listen, live on mission. It's the greatest adventure you'll ever be a part of.
0: Such a great evening. Thank you both for being here tonight, for having this rich conversation. Would you go ahead and close us in prayer?
1: I will. Do we get to come back or did we? uh, No, you'll get to come back. (laughs) I think we'll have
0: you back again and again. I was just making sure that we
1: didn't, you know, just get bumped here all of a sudden. So, all right. Father in heaven, thanks so much for a group of people listening who has a heart for you and desires to see every man, woman, and child reached. People listening to this, God, I pray for their family members. I pray for their coworkers. I pray for the, the children that their kids go to school with. I pray for the people who run the local Publix and the local Target and Starbucks that they see every single day that the people listening to this podcast would know their voice and would love them and see that that person is built and made in the image of you, God, and that they would understand uh and have a heart for seeing them come to know you, a vibrant and growing relationship with you. And so, God, would you continue to knit churches together, that you would push back Satan and that the church would rise up and a movement would happen where collaboration would would be the mindset of all. God, we love you and we trust you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. And we so look forward to seeing you on our ne- next episode. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to Kingdom Conversations. We look forward to you joining us next week.